0: now back to on the block with stricken austin on 93.7 the ticket and the ticket we're continuing the conversation we just had on daniel Kalen's commitment to nebraska football with our recruiting insider brian munson of husker online brian how are you doing How's your weekend
1: i'm doing good guys it's really good the kiddo's back from carney for uh I think he heads back Wednesday morning, so um getting ready for some football workouts, I guess, up there. But, yeah, we're enjoying the time down here going into Memorial Day weekend. Big Ten baseball to pay attention to this coming weekend. And as you said, Nebraska recruiting gets another
0: commitment, man. And it was a big one. It happened to Brian, the thing that was most interesting to me, about 18 hours after he decommitted from Missouri, is already uh, <laughs> Friday the decommitment, Saturday morning the commitment to Nebraska – did this actually happen a couple of days ahead of time and just get announced on Friday and Saturday, or what's kind of the timeline there?
1: I think the decommitment happened sooner than what was publicly released. Number mm-hmm. one, um, I'm pretty sure that happened a little bit earlier in the week. I, I know Nebraska as soon as they got the news about Rayola, um, you know they were they were at Bellevue West, you know, waiting to waiting to get a chance to to go in there and and kind of get this thing going again with Kaelin. I mean i think nebraska lived up to their end of the bargain here and i think daniel kalen of course was um i think he was pretty impressed that nebraska did so i mean it went south with with rayola on monday morning i believe and you know shortly after that nebraska is at bellevue west i think they go down to see him a couple three times last week uh the decommitment gets announced i think on thursday or friday and then saturday morning he's 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 in publicly so I think that I think things moved swiftly and um, moved in a moved in a manner that was basically that, that lined up with you know people living up to their ends of the bargain and their ends of the trust and and what and what kind of that agreement was it was kind of in place and I don't want to sit there and say anything about you know Kalen made a, a hasty decision on going to Missouri no not at all I think that he he had to go out there and find his own path. Cause if Nebraska wasn't going to be part of it, he had to go forward with, you know, coming up, to, coming up with, you know, what it was that he was looking for, even if he wanted to be a Husker and that was not going to be part of the possibilities. He had to go back and take a look at the opportunities that were, that were available to him, make the best possible decision with the information at hand and then the information at hand changed. And, and I think people can respect that. I know. I, I imagine that Missouri has a hard, the hardest time respecting that out of everybody.
0: You mostly answered the next question I was going to get to, which was, you know, why commit to, you know, Missouri to begin with? But did did Kalen and Raiola have any contact? Do you think Daniel Kalen had any inclinations one way or the other, you know, about Dylan Raiola, or is this just he was focused on him and his process? I think
1: he was just focused on him and his process. I think Nebraska did a pretty good job of, you know, keeping him aware, you know, that, hey, look, we're – we we have to we have to go recruit this dude. He's the number one player in his position in the country. And uh, the minute, however, that he says he doesn't want to be a Husker, um, we're going to be right back here and we're going to be all in on you. We're going to move all of our chips from the Riola side of the table to the Kalen side of the table. And and I think that that all kind of lined up. I look there's there are not many quarterbacks. Let's just I think that this is probably to the real root of your answer. There are not many quarterbacks nationally that can go out there and commit. Typically, what you have there is you have a bunch of schools that are waiting on some really elite guys to to announce their commitment. So you saw two guys happen, you know, to commit this last week, or at least two that I know of, in Rayola and Van Buren. Van Buren went to Oregon, and Rayola went to Georgia. And obviously then Kalen flips over from Missouri to Nebraska, which is, you know, number 28th on the overall, you know, list of quarterbacks nationally. But you're looking for things to happen at the top, because what happens then is you see those those next group of guys that are just down the, the pecking order. And there was a kid that actually, two kids actually committed out of Indiana, too, I think. Uh, one kid committed to Indiana, another kid committed to Duke. Uh, that were up there, they were higher, just a little bit higher, I think, than Keelan on the list too. I think um, uh, Timothy Carpenter and uh, um, oh shoot, the other kid, Gray, Gray was his last name, I think. So you've seen a lot of things happen towards the top of that list of of the quarterbacks, and when those things start to happen, you see you see schools then scramble, and, and 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 like I said, few of those, very few guys that are kind of in that next list or even the list down, the third tier guys they couldn't commit anywhere even though they might have offers they might not be able to commit anywhere because those other teams are waiting on those other schools to or those other guys to hear about what they're going to do and then finally when they figure out we're no longer in the running for so and so go ahead and get you know this other guy back on the phone and let him know he has a committable offer so that that's kind of that process and 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 I know that that was kind of the case with Kalen just because He had an offer from Nebraska. It wouldn't have been committable if they would have had a chance to take Raiola. But then as soon as Raiola goes someplace else, they followed right back up on it and made sure that that they knew that or that he knew that it was a committable offer and that they wanted him to be be their quarterback in the 2024 class.
0: That's the one thing that I still have a little trouble wrapping my head around. Maybe you can help me work through it is you mentioned, you know, the pushing the table or the chips on the table from the Raiola side to the Kalen side. A lot of athletes, I think when they hear that they're not a school's first choice or they the school tells them, oh, we we have to go get this guy. We hope you understand. A lot of athletes wouldn't. A lot of athletes would, you know, do the the bet on themselves, the I'm going to take it out on you, you know, petty kind of vindictive thing. It doesn't seem like Daniel Kalin had that. Do you think that speaks to who he is as a person, his desire to play for Nebraska since he's grown up here since he was eight or something else?
1: No, I I think that I think it's I think there's a couple of factors there. I think number one, he grew up a Nebraska fan. This has always been the dream. I think number two, he's an incredibly mature individual. Um, I, I I I had to call him on Saturday after all the news had broke. A good hour after all the other reporters had called him, and we had already run our stories. We had our stories you know done ahead of time, and we had. We had a couple other guys, you know, do some stuff nationally on him, and I just wanted to get an opportunity to call him up and and just wish him well and congratulations or whatever. But I had to tell him, you know, that his maturity, his intelligence, the things about him and his demeanor really stood out to me when I met him in February up there at our in-state tour in Omaha. Um, I felt like, number one, he stood out because he was a lot bigger than what I thought he was going to be, that uh, which is a, which is a, probably got to be great news for Nebraska fans. But I think beyond that, he is he's mature. He was very even keel. He was not a guy that, that that's and you can even catch this on like his film. He's I, I kind of stop short at unflappable. He's you, you really can't get him rattled, and he doesn't get too high or too low about about good things or bad things happening with him on the football field. And I think that that's one of the key qualities when it comes to picking out a quarterback is that you're looking for a guy that's very consistent, can move on to the very, to the next play, you know, extension of the coaching staff. So you've got to keep that level headed kind of demeanor, you know, on you about it all times. And I think that that helped Daniel navigate, navigate his way through a very complicated uh, and convoluted process, which included, you know, not having a committable offer to your dream school initially and having to go make a decision based on the on the opportunities at hand and then having your opportunities change. I think I think it says I think it says a lot about his maturity, but I definitely understand where you're at, you know, what you said because some people don't want to play second fiddle. Some people don't want to be that guy that supposedly a school might settle for. I think in this particular case, the settling, you know, for like from going from the number 1 to the number 28 guy when it comes to coming down the list I think that that's just got to be an understanding about how things are kind of set up for you at that one moment, and what obviously then you know the risks are with going after that number one guy. You can't you had to put all your eggs in that basket to make it look like you're that you're completely sold out and you're all in on this one dude, but you have to be able to move those chips over and across to let and let that person know as soon as this happened and it's not in our favor. We're coming back to get you, regardless of whoever you're committed to. So I, I thought I thought both sides handled it very very well, but I think Daniel uh, really showed the maturity there to kind of understand Nebraska's situation and look past that initial maybe kind of dejection that he might have gotten from that, and really put it aside to get after and, and go go to the school that he he's dreamt of playing.
2: Hey uh, Brian Strick here. Listen, I wanted to throw this out because I really do. Uh, find it very intriguing that 2024 seems to be a a, a huge focal point, especially for this specific posi- position. With Riolà now also with an in-state Daniel Kalin uh, making the comeback. Now, what what what's intriguing to me is <clears throat> we talked about how Nebraska was going to be able to fare if they went. Uh, with Jeff Sims, if he has a great season, he bolts, or if he's able to stay for two seasons, what's next? And that's why I think 2024 was such a huge focal point. Tell us about that, the importance of that, or do you think Nebraska would would, would have needed to jump back in the portal, or do they even jump back in the portal, even if Daniel Kalin gets on campus and he's really the guy that, like you said, pushed all the chips to the front or to the middle? Well, I
1: I think if there's an, and it's a great question for it. Cause it's really the evaluation that I think Nebraska had to have a firm understanding on whether or not they felt like they had the number two guy behind Jeff Sims on their current roster. Mm-hmm. Because if they didn't think that that guy was there, then they had no choice. They, they had to go jump back in the roster. They had the into the portal. They had to go back and find that guy. But what this kind of leads me to believe at least, in the current, in the current moment. Now they may, <laughs> they may decide tomorrow to go back and get a quarterback, you know, that's a portal guy. Uh, and I would, I think that would find that very, very interesting with where they're at with Daniel Caitlin. But I think that I think what this indicates to me is that they feel good about, about Chubba and about Heinrich and uh, the walk-on guy from Ole Miss. is, is oh, whoa. My, uh, Yes. Uh, it was totally out. Uh, it <laughs> was just totally slipping my mind. I think that what they're telling us is is that there's three guys behind there at least that they feel at least somewhat good about, and, and with, with Sims being the upfront guy to be the starter, uh, that you could go back now and take this organic route because you know you're you're bringing another portal into a room. you have been the third portal guy into a room. I, I think that I think Rule needs to get started on building the team his way start taking a look at the guys that he feels like make the most sense for him to build his roster, the team that is going to operate the way that he is designing it to operate. And you go out there, then you, and you make this move with Riola, then you, then you move all your chips over to a guy like Kalen, because you must've felt like this is really not a, not a bad alternative choice, obviously, because there were still guys out there that they could have gone after. And they could have obviously done the portal thing, but I think that Nebraska had to feel good about the way that the room sat, that if Sims was lost for some extended amount of time for injury, that they didn't have the need to go in, back into the portal and find a guy, mm-hmm. and they could bring in a guy like Kalen and really just start to develop him, start to really get him immersed in it all, have him have him learn things ground up, have him come in there with a with a class that might even have two wide receivers from the same high school. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that that's really a fantastic way for those guys to grow up
2: together. And that's, and, and so one of the things um, I just mentioned, because it, it popped into my head, I, I was reminded of Turner Gill, just how tremendous he was as a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. Not that Mickey Joseph was bad or any of those that came after them. It, they just, they, they just weren't able to to get it over the hump until a young man by the name of Tommy Frazier arrived on campus as a freshman. and, that turned the whole program around. And I think as you look at rule and you, I think you kind of said it, but I want to, I want you want to see if you, if we're tapped in, in the same vein, um, when you look at rule eight, eight year contract, Mm -hmm. you're, that's a foundational type of contract, meaning I'm giving you a chance to build it and make it in your image. And but you're going to need something to transcend that. Do you think that it was either Dylan Raiola and Kalen were the two that really are the ones that they believe can be similar to that type of flow with like a Tommy Frazier coming in and just being that guy?
1: I think that that's, I think you're to something. I mean, I, I think it's really, you know, I think a lot of people would sit there and say, you know, you guys are kidding yourselves. You, you fall down a lot from Raiola to Kalen. And I, I admit who, who wouldn't think that there's a bit of a fall off when you come go from the number one guy to the number twenty eight guy? That's not what you and I are saying. What you and I are saying is, is that you mentioned the contract. You mentioned, you know, or I will say it. I'll mention the rebuild and and basically overhaul of what's happening there currently in Lincoln. And it's and it's all the way. It's from the locker room to the to the uh, to the nutritional side to the strength and conditioning side. It's been completely overhauled and modified. And, and this is not going to be a short term process. I mean, if Scott Frost had five and now you start talking about rules contract being eight, I mean, that's, that's the kind of timelines that we're talking about there to where, you know, you, you feel like you need to kind of get that churn, get those, get those right guys in. But, I think Rule is, has got something a little bit quicker in mind. He wants to be competitive way sooner than than year five or year six, like mm-hmm. towards the, the end of his end of his uh, end of his contract. And I think he's seeing that he needs to get there because he's hosting these number one guys at, at offensive tackle and defensive line and running back and quarterback, and he's not been able to close them quite yet. And, and I think that has less to do with him as a coaching staff and how they're recruiting these guys. The, you know and it's more about the on the field production the lack of real results there's nothing mm-hmm. tangible right now that says nebraska's better than a 4-18 because that's what the way they finished up last season and and last last year that team is gone it's I mean it's been gutted different starting wide receiver different starting quarterback you know all the other guys are gone huge huge changes coming but people are already seeing and telling the difference between the way it was to the way it is now and i think it's just about now getting in there having some results and showing showing some positive change you know when it comes to their on the field play
0: we're talking with brian munson one last one for you before we let you go here brian uh nebraska hosting a transfer offensive line target out of utah mm-hmm. uh what can you tell us about this young man that's on campus
1: yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise, I think, to all of us. So you, you got Tyler Knack that's in from Utah, four year transfer yep. guy, I believe, is what I said this morning. Man, this morning seems so long, <laughs> seems so far away already. Um you got six six, three hundred and fifteen pounds, is a three star guy. He's from the state of Utah. Uh he is in Lincoln. He'll be there till tomorrow morning, he was saying, then he'll be headed out. I don't I don't look for him to Make any decision while he's in town. So I think Nebraska fans really need to kind of be more focused on him getting everything it is, of course, that he might need to to figure out what what the possible you know situation is there for him at Nebraska. Then kind of count on him going back to Utah and kind of sorting through all the possibilities that he has. Nebraska is going to want those guys back in town very very quickly. When I talked to those guys that were you know high school graduate guys, the guys that are being rolling here in June. They were all coming up. Our NMA, excuse me. They were all coming up this week, like the end of this week, like is when they were all going to be starting to enroll and show up at, at Lincoln and, and get ready to go with workouts. So th- this is the time of year that he is going to have to get things done, get things settled, get to Lincoln, get enrolled for <laughs> summer class, and get going with the workouts.
0: There you go, Brian Munson of Husker on line, bringing the goods as he always does. Brian try to take a deep breath if you can after a busy weekend. <laughs> we'll uh, catch up with you next week. I just got my cardio in. All right guys, I'll talk to you soon. There he is, Mr. Brian Munson. Good stuff on Huskert Recruiting. Let's step aside, we'll wrap up old school or on the block with the old school crew on the crossover next.